people a lot of times they talk about that feeling of being enough. Um, you know, like I don't, I, why am I not enough for him? Or why am I not enough for them? And the thing about being enough is that you don't have to be everything to be enough. If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multiamory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about monopoly relationships. We get asked a lot about whether it's possible for a monogamous person and a polyamorous person to have a happy and functioning relationship. So to answer that question, today we have special guest Phoebe Phillips, also known as Fee, uh, as a guest on our show to really get into all of this. Phoebe Fee Phillips is a relationship blogger based in Los Angeles. She chronicles her thoughts and experiences as a self-described monomuggle, or a monogamous person in a polyamorous relationship, at polyamoring.blog. She also created Monocorn Sanctuary, a group specifically aimed to offer support to people who are monogamous and are dating a polyamorous partner. Awesome. So thank you so much for being here, Fee. We're really, really excited to have you on the show. Um, The first thing that we wanted to get to was the age-old question. I think the thing that uh, a lot of people wonder what they ask themselves, which is, can monopoly relationships actually work? And how do two people who have like these really different relationship structures, how do they make their relationship together feel equanimous? How do they make it feel fair when they're not each dating multiple people? So uh, thanks for inviting me to come on. Um, Yes, it can work. Uh, The thing is to keep in mind that just because it works for one group of people or a pair of people doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone. Just like just because any relationship works with one person doesn't mean that person is able to be in a relationship with anybody they want to be in a relationship with. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's really specific. Uh, There is a difference, I think, between being fair and being even. Hmm. I believe Hmm. in being fair. If I want to date other people, I can date other people. He's not stopping me. My decision to not date other people is purely my decision. And that's what's fair. Uh, I have the same opportunity to do whatever I want that he does. What's even is, oh, he's dating three people. So I have to date three people. Mm -hmm. That's not really fair. Right. I think right. that comes yeah. up a lot, even yeah. just yeah. <laughs> with, within polyamorous relationships, that yeah. idea of like even versus fair. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I think a lot of the stuff that comes up specifically in mono and poly relationships, it works the same way in just poly and poly relationships. It's just about the individual couple, whether, whether my partner's uh, other things that he does has to do with work or a hobby or whatever. It's just other relationships are other aspects of his life that aren't about me. Mm-hmm. And I am comfortable with a person that I love being, having other things that they do that aren't about me. I'm not, I don't have to be the center of everybody's universe. <laughs> I mean, the world might be a better place if I were, <laughs> but I don't have to be. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I'm taking just like a brief detour right out yeah. the gate here is, you know, so you've, you've been, you know, the monogamous side on the, in this relationship for a, a couple of years now, right? Yeah. About three years in okay. September. So. And if I recall correctly from listening to you speak, you know, you did have a period where you did kind of try dating other people and you did try that on for size to see how that was. Can you just briefly I, like, just talk a little bit about that experience? For you, like that journey for you? So the idea of ethical non-monogamy is the umbrella term. That's not brand new to me when I was, I I let's say teenager, but when I was young, (laughs) uh, I dated a lot of people simultaneously. They all knew that they all existed, but I didn't really have that, that strong emotional connection with any one of them. The first time I fell in love, I stopped wanting to be with anybody else. Mm. That just Mm. happened for me. 
Um, so I think that I just might be wired that way. Mm-hmm. I am open to the possibility that that can change at some point. I have tried to date other people. It, I just, I don't feel like, I don't feel this draw to do it. So the way that I am right now is just, if it happens, it happens. I'm not going to try and sabotage. Like, I'm not going to be like, nope, I don't date other people. Mm-hmm. If somebody inspires me to want to start dating someone else, I'm all for it. But it's just so far, when I'm in love with someone, I really have no interest in doing things with anybody else. Yeah, so I guess it kind of touching on that a little bit, uh, this was jumping back to where we were before. Is it? Do you do you think that it is possible for two people to come into a relationship and maintain like the styles that they feel they're more accustomed to, um, even if they are like really vastly different from their partners? And with that, do you think that there are specific things that those people need to work on in order to like maintain a healthy relationship structure? And is it different from a normal like? monogamous relationship or uh, I guess normal polyamorous relationship yeah um, one of the things yes it's totally possible uh, because if you think about it um, everything I need in my relationship if I, for me as a you know I say monoamorous because I distinguish mm-hmm. between the monogamous mean marriage and I'm not into marriage mm-hmm. uh, so monoamorous just like you're polyamorous <laughs> right uh, <laughs> so as a monoamorous person what do I want in my relationship I want I, I want like an emotional commitment. I want to, you know, have that, that one-on-one feeling with a partner when I'm with this partner. Um, I have that with him. Just the fact that he has that with other people does not take it away from what I have with him. So it's totally possible for me to get what I need in a relationship and for him to continue getting whatever it is he wants or needs from his multiple relationships. Um, there are things that you, I, I think that these things, help in poly plus poly relationships and mono plus poly relationships. Um, One really specific one is the concept of the ownership of time. Hmm. I have to accept that his time belongs to him and Hmm. I don't own it. I don't just because he sees me every Tuesday and Friday night does not mean that I own his Tuesday night. It's not my Tuesday night. It's still his. Uh, My Tuesday night is what I do with myself on Tuesday I don't have other people I'm dating. And so generally speaking, if he's available, I want to see him, but he has other, other things going on in his life. And, and sometimes I have work things that come up or family things that come up that might interfere with it too. So the idea that everyone is responsible for their own time, but also for being respectful that if you've made plans with someone else, you don't cancel them because something else came up that you'd rather do Mm -hmm. um, unless it's an, an emergency or, you know, you just completely unavoidable you stick to the commitments that you made. Um, Another thing that on the mono side really helped me with that specifically was um, I don't hold off on making plans with people to see if he's going to come through for me. Like, Oh, somebody wants to do something on Saturday, but but maybe my boyfriend wants to do something on Saturday. I'm going to wait and see. Oh man. Sure. I make my plans. (laughs) If he's not on the calendar, I have no reasonable expectation that we're going to, you know, have a date on that day, I make my plans and I commit to my friends. Even if he, after the fact, he says, Hey, you know, my plans with so-and-so fell through. Do you want to hang out? I'd be like, well, I've already made a commitment Mm -hmm. to someone. So I have to be as respectful of my friends and my other commitments as I want him to be of the commitments he makes with me. Interesting. I feel feel like that's huge, right? I mean, I know that for a lot of people first opening up relationships or even just in monogamous dating at all, there's so much of that, of that, like, I, I can't make any plans with anyone until I yeah. check in and make sure that my romantic partner isn't yeah. free hmm. or, or doesn't mm-hmm. want to hang out. Yeah. That's so huge that just kind of, yeah, taking ownership yeah. of that and, and also prioritizing the other things you have in your life besides just that one relationship. Well, I feel like I see a version of this in, you know, people come to me and they're like, oh my God, like two partners at once. Like, wow. Like how do, how does anyone have the time for that? Or like, gosh, I can't even imagine it where, well, but, but, (laughs) but I think it's more of like people 
often come with this assumption of like, okay, I think of what a monogamous relationship looks like. And that is spending all your time together, all as much possible free time as you have. And so that's just times two and like, whoa, really? Like there's not enough hours in a day when it's like, well, no, really in my life, it's a lot more back and forth, a lot more negotiation, you know, like the times when I was living in cities where all my partners were there at the same time, it's a lot of, you know, certain days of the week are switching off, you know, and and now it's more of like chunks of time kind of alternate. And so I think it's really interesting that on your side, on the, you know, kind of, even though you feel like you have this more monogamous approach, it's still maintaining that of like, no, like my time is still my own. And like, yes, of course I want to spend time with my partner and I have a drive to spend time with my partner, but there's still this separation there, which is kind of what makes it work, I think is really interesting. Yeah. I think it's uh, someone I've, and I've, I've said it before, I'm a recovering codependent. So <laughs> aren't, aren't uh, we all? <laughs> <laughs> uh, as, as someone who used to be in a monogamous marriage where it was so codependent and we were, you know, everything was about each other, even, you know, it was, it was a mess. But anyway, um, my, my husband, when he passed away, that's, you know, people who follow me generally know that, but brand new people, hi, I'm a widow. Um, so <laughs> uh, he passed away four years ago and suddenly like the worst nightmare happened, right? I went from my entire life was about this one person to who am I? What do I do? What do I like that's not about him? Right. And um, that's kind of what started this whole journey for me. Um, I sort of re-embraced uh, from when I was younger. I used to be like really into kink stuff in the kink community. And I came back out into the kink community and found, surprise, everybody's polyamorous in the kink community. <laughs> so it's like, I want to find a way to like deal with this. So, uh, I, I had several attempts at dating polyamorous people uh, before I met my current partner. And what I learned is that not everyone does poly the same way. Mm-hmm. And I am not compatible with most of the ways mm-hmm. people call me <laughs> I am compatible with this specific way. And, uh, and when I was able to let go of that need to be everyone's perfect partner and just mm-hmm. find the partner that made sense with the version of me that exists right now, um, it kind of everything opened up for me and it was like, I can do this. I used to like have blogs about, I will never date Polly again. I've tried this. It's awful. I was like the big, like poster child for monogamy. I was like, Nope, never again. Uh, But no, as it turns out, it can totally work if you find the right balance. Hmm. Gosh, that's like really beautiful. It seems like, (laughs) yeah, it seems very like relationship anarchy. Like there are a lot of lessons from polyamory that you have taken and that that help you like thrive in the relationship that you're currently in. But also you don't have that entitlement factor. You're not like on this relationship escalator with this person. Like you're creating the type of relationship that you want. And it just so happens that it is a monopoly relationship. But yeah, I think that's really awesome. That's like the right way to do yeah, it. I think when you had your episode on relationship anarchy, I was like, well, so if that's me, like I am, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm deciding, I'm deciding what my relationships right. mean to me. Because it kind of mm-hmm. looks to people like what they're used to seeing. It's not the same. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so related to all of these things, um, I guess, first of all, I thought it was really interesting what you said about how, you know, you, you, when you were younger, dated lots of people. And then when you first fell in love, you just lost all the interest in, in all, you know, in dating anyone else or doing anything with anyone else that I feel like that is so much the like fairy tale narrative that everyone is told is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And for most people, isn't like that. Mm -hmm. Or I would say at least a lot of people, if, if not most people doesn't work that way. And you, you know, you were saying, well, maybe I'm just wired this way. I feel like it, it just made me think that that so many people, either they do feel that, and if their partner doesn't, it's like, oh, well, you're not as in love with me as I am with you. Yeah. Or if they themselves don't feel it, but they're trying to force themselves to feel that way, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. like, oh, well, maybe I'm not actually in love or or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, I think society does us all a disservice by setting this uh, ideal for us all that not everyone's going to fit into. 
Uh, the fact is I met someone, fell in love and didn't feel like I needed to have anybody else in my life romantically. Um, it, it doesn't bother me that that person still wants to have other people in his life romantically. Mm -hmm. Like that's, he's wired in a different way than I am. Um, and I accept that. Uh, there was, let's see, <laughs> there was a time when I was very, very young. I, I kind of remember this happening when I was walking across the schoolyard in elementary school. And the subject of cheating had come up. Um, this might have been like the Clinton years. Mm -hmm. So okay. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. the, the, yeah, the subject of cheating had come up. And I remember thinking, well, if the other partner knows about it and they're okay with it, is it really cheating? <laughs> and so even way back then, like the, I, the concept of polyamory, the concept of ethical non-monogamy was like, yeah, that, that, that makes logical sense. Like huh. it's not cheating if your partner knows and is cool with it. Right. So right. I've always had that. Mm -hmm. So just when I met someone and fell in love and didn't want to be with anyone else, that was my decision to not want to be with anyone else. If he had told me, and he did the night he proposed, <laughs> he, uh, my, my husband had asked me, you know, cause I had had, um, a lot of sexual experience and he had not had quite so much sexual experience. And he asked, like, do you think like once we're married, we can ever, maybe, would you be comfortable with me ever doing something with someone else? And I was, you know, I thought about it for a while and I was like, yeah, you know, I think that down the line, if that's something you want to do, we can definitely talk about it. Mm -hmm. I said, there's certain people that I would be probably comfortable with you doing that with mm -hmm. because I know them and I know they'd be cool with it. And, um, but at the same time I was like, but if you're not having sex with me, I don't want you having sex with anybody mm -hmm. else. Like, <laughs> I still need to get my needs met. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Wait, yeah. he, whipped out, he whipped out that question the night he proposed to you? Before he proposed. Oh, before he proposed. Okay. Yeah, so we were at dinner and he brings this up because he was like questioning, like, is this the end for me? And uh, like, right. Okay, uh, wait, hang on. Sorry. Right. I'm getting into the weeds on this one. Is it like right before he proposed or yeah. like a day before he proposed? I'm no, just, no, no. It just seems like such a no, no. funny image We had dinner. Mind. So we, it was, a, it was like a short version of the story. We had dinner. It was, we were in London. It, he kept trying to get me afterwards. We got back to the hotel. Well, it was a, a flat that we'd rented and, and I was in pajamas. We were watching Britain's Got Talent on TV. <laughs> radio. He kept trying uh -huh. to get me to go out for a walk and I didn't want to go out for a walk because I'm super lazy. And um, I was already in pajamas. Like, oh, come on, let's go for a walk. It's really nice. It's really nice out. So finally, like in my pajama shirt, I put on a pair of jeans, grabbed a jacket went like shoes with no socks and we started walking and he kept going, you know, alone, a little farther, a little farther, a little farther. And we got to Westminster bridge mm. and we're standing there overlooking the water. There's not a soul in sight. And the, the uh, big Ben strikes midnight and I turn around and he's down on one knee. Aww. So it was like Aww. hours later. <laughs> got it. But he planned this all along. I so see. it was very romantic. Every time I see big Ben and there's like, I'm like, uh, Oh, that's where that Aww. happened. <laughs> I think as a weird aside, um, it's possible that because of my experience as a widow, like, so, you know, he's not my ex-husband. He didn't like, we didn't have a contentious divorce. Mm -hmm. I still have love in my heart for this person. He's just not physically here. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I yeah. can understand the concept of loving two people simultaneously. Interesting. I just... I just can't understand how y'all do the time thing, mm. but like, <laughs> but I get like you can love more than one person at once. That makes total sense to me. Mm -hmm. It's just that I didn't, I didn't, I then don't want to like deal with the logistics. Right, right. All that <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, so I'd love to go back now to so you created the Monocorn Sanctuary, yeah. which is this support group for the monogamous half of Monopoly couples yeah. uh and you do you also have in on polyamoring on your blog you also yeah. talk uh, on that subject and people reach out to you and so I, I guess what i'm wondering about is so not just in your personal experience but from what you've seen with other people and kind of collecting that that experience um w would you be able to give any sort of advice about how someone would tell if monopoly could be a setup that would work for them or is that just sort of the like well mm. 
one of us just actually isn't comfortable with polyamory, so we're going to try this instead. Or um, that we actually we just want different things, and we're going to do this like because we love each other so much. We get this excuse so often of like, I'm going to do a relationship that doesn't make me happy because we love each other so much. Like, yeah. how do you tell that it's not one of those two things or so, if it is something uh, that could work? Yeah. So the, so the genesis of the monocorn sanctuaries, I was, I, I joined a couple of different polyamory groups in on Facebook and in, not too long after I joined them, the, the, the moderator teams asked me to join as a moderator on those groups. And I was looking for one where it was just the mono halves of these relationships, because a lot of times we have our things that we want to vent about, but there, we don't fit with the straight up monogamy group. We don't fit straight up with the polyamory group or somewhere like straddling both and not really fitting into either one. I was like, where is this place for me? And I found a group that existed uh, but found that it was mostly just people complaining about polyamory. Mm. And I was like, mm, this doesn't feel right. Like, I don't hate polyamory. I just, you know, occasionally want to gripe about something. That doesn't mean I hate it, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, so I just, I, I started it and it's grown. It's got like, I don't even know how many people in it now. Um, and it's a space for people who, either are total, they're, they're, the mono, they're the mono people in relationships with poly people, but they're happy about it, accepting of it, comfortable with it, or they want to learn to be happy, accepting, and comfortable with it. They don't right. want to just blame polyamory for all of their problems so that they never have to face up to the fact that sometimes those problems come from within. Hmm. If you can be one of those people who says, I want to be okay with this, then there's a really good chance that you at some point can be okay with this. But if you just want to find like a scapegoat, like the entire concept of non-monogamy, like that, it's very likely you're not ever going to find that place where you can be happy and fulfilled in this relationship. So, um, yeah, it's not for everyone. Polymono is not going to work for everybody. But if you want it to, if you're willing to do the self-work, um, and it's not just the mono person that has to do this, by the way. I don't want poly right, people no, thinking definitely. like we got to take all of, <laughs> they got to deal with some stuff on their own too. <laughs> um, it's, it's about finding that balance between the two where you're both realizing you're both getting your needs met with each other. Um, but you're not, that was the, the big one for me. People, people, a lot of times they talk about that feeling of being enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I don't, I, why am I not enough for him or why am I not enough for them? Um, and the thing about being enough is that you don't have to be everything to be enough. Mm-hmm. That was my big, like, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but the other part was when, when my partner and I were first kind of negotiating, how are we going to do this thing? Cause we started off as just play partners, like rope partners. And then feelings happened. Mm-hmm. So as, the, as they do, started, <laughs> those those darn feelings. Uh, and up until that point, I was like, I'm never dating Polly again. And now I'm like, oh, here is this happening. So we were kind of talking about it. And I asked him what issues, um, you know, what concerns do you have about being with someone who's, who's, you know, monoamorous? And his response was, I'm concerned that I might not be enough for you. Hmm. And that was like this big wow. light bulb went off where I was like, wait, I thought maybe I wouldn't be enough for you, but you're worried about not being enough for me. And the concept of enough is bigger than all of this. Mm. And it, it, it just, it's really about realizing that you don't have to be everything and you can still be enough. Mm. And on the mono side, you can't make your partner be everything for you. I have to have other things that I like to do. He can't be my entire social life and the only support that I have. He, right. I have to be able to spread it out. Right. Right. I mean, I feel like that's good advice, even if you're in a monogamous relationship, yeah. is to not yeah. put everything it's good on advice your partner. Down. So that's one of the, I mean, that's, a, a, it might be a tangent, but um, <laughs> I'm in a lot of poly spaces uh-huh. and every so often you get those, um, the, what are they called? The evolved polyamorous. Oh, gosh. Mm. Uh, like, like, about six, like about six months in a year in, I think. Yeah. Usually when the enlightened that point. polyamorous. Right. Uh, like have a chip on their shoulder about everything that has ever had to do with monogamy. Mm -hmm. Um, 
yes, there's a lot of toxicity in monogamous relationships. Mm. There's a lot of toxicity in polyamorous relationships. There's a lot of toxicity in relationships. And like, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Monogamy can work. It can be healthy. Mm -hmm. And most of the stuff that makes relationships work in a healthy way work no matter how many partners you're with. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. That's the dirty little secret of, <laughs> of the multi-emory podcast. When people yeah. are like, but don't you eventually? It's forever run out of stuff to talk about, and we're like, no, because yeah. relationships are just relationships. Exactly. Yeah. Because like, yeah. rela- talking about relationships is recession-proof, as it turns right. out. Do you, know, do you know the way that I the way that I found your podcast was when I thought I wanted to like start a podcast because I felt like there was this like I. I had things to say about polyamory and I had been on a podcast before and I was like, I want to start a new one. So I was doing research into other like non-monogamy podcasts that were out there. I started listening to you guys and I was like, Oh no, they're already doing it. I don't have to do this. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're covering all the topics I would cover. They're saying the things that I would say, I'm just going to join their Patreon and money I would have spent on stuff. (laughs) Wait, but now here you are. Maybe that was the long con to try to infiltrate the podcast. (laughs) Oh dang. (laughs) Exactly. It worked. It well done. Work. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's multi, M-U-L-T-I, at adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast, and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code multi to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. No, it's so interesting. Like, it's, yeah, it's such a, I feel like it's such a fine line for people. And I know I definitely get this with a lot of clients who come to me, like maybe clients who are struggling with their partner wanting to open up or struggling with having fallen in love with a polyamorous person or the flip side, a polyamorous person struggling with having fallen in love with a monoamorous person. Um, And it is such a fine line between, you know, is this like, I kind of, I have the self-efficacy to see myself someday being okay Mm. and feeling fulfilled and feeling good and feeling peaceful with this versus I just need to try, you know, I'm trying to find strategies, every possible strategy to just keep my head above water and just tolerate and to be able to grit my teeth. Mm. You know, it's kind of like I need to find strategies to get rid of the jaw pain so I can grit my teeth for for longer sometimes. And it's, yeah, I don't know. It's so... It's hard. Yeah, I definitely think uh, going into a relationship that's with someone who's already established as polyamorous is a lot easier, I would think, Mm. than having a monogamous relationship that's opening up for the first time. That's having to Mm. end an existing relationship the way it was and, and start a brand new one. But you're carrying a lot of baggage over into it where you, you know, you've got your like shortcuts already. When you're starting a new relationship with someone new, you're it's, it's, you're, you're kind of inventing it together, but when you're changing an existing one, it's a lot, I think it's just a lot trickier. Uh, But that, that the thing about, the thing about non-monogamy, it forces you to do the Mm -hmm. self-work. It forces you, like you don't have to do it in in a monogamous relationship because you don't have to deal with jealousy maybe so much. Mm. Uh, But jealousy I say is a mask that's worn by insecurity and fear. Hmm. 
Mm. Like jealousy by itself isn't mm. a thing. It's just the way you're reacting to fear and insecurity. And, and having to dig into those things, that's, that's the part you have to do that's uncomfortable. But when, if you're just trying to like grit your teeth and get through it, you're not doing the work to understand it and mm. overcome it. You're just trying to get through it. So like, I'm just going to hold my breath and hope that when I come up for air, the air is going to be sweet. Mm. But the air is going to be the same. You have to learn how to adapt. And that's, that's really mm. difficult to do. And I think that's the market, the difference between a, a monopoly relationship that is going to eventually find their way towards that happy acceptance place and the ones that are just going to constantly struggle. Well, gosh, I mean, again, I don't think that's necessarily unique to monopoly because I know myself no. in my own polyamorous journey, I've been in relationships in the past where instead of doing the self-work, I've done the, I just need to figure out how to grit my teeth <laughs> and I need to like just meditate every single day for two hours to just try to get through this and try to endure it rather than trying to actually, you know, go through it and actually sink into it and mm -hmm. actually see what's there. Um so I don't know. I guess that is a human thing. The, the links that we'll go to thing. to not sure. have to look at ourselves, really. Yeah. Um, I do. I yeah. remember there was this one this one post somebody had posted in the the Poly Plus Mono group once, and she was um, she was the 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 mono wife to really you know it was a monogamous marriage that had opened up where the the husband had gone on to be polyamorous and had other partners, and she was not, and she struggled with it. And about the year mark from when they had opened up their relationship, she kind of had this big epiphany and wrote this blog post about her journey, um, about all the different rules that they had in the beginning. And there were all these, you know, he couldn't do this and he couldn't do that. And that over time, as it started to become like a new normal and she let go of some of the, the hangups that she had been having, uh, the fear, the insecurity about the other partners and all of that stuff, she... She ended up realizing that she had a lot of free time to pursue her interests that she had not had time to pursue before. Mm. Um, she, she like learned a lot about herself. And in the end, she actually ended up starting to date somebody else. And now they're in a poly poly relationship, but you know, mm. not everybody is going to end up that way, but it was, it took her about a year to get to that point of acceptance. So mm. it's not something that can happen overnight. Right. I mean, it took me three different, attempts at polyamory before I found the right fit. So right, it's right. definitely not an overnight thing. Right. It, yeah. Sorry. It just made me think just real quick. I, I remember years ago, uh, but you know, before I had ever been polyamorous or even heard of that term, uh, in an unrelated conversation about relationships, I was talking with some people who were, who were older than me and, you know, knew more about the world or whatever. But <laughs> one of them was talking about, I think she was talking about, I don't remember if it was anecdotal evidence or it was some study that she'd read about, but where they found that when men were in relationships, their careers tended to get better. And when women were in relationships, it tended to be the opposite. Uh, the idea being that for, again, right, stereotypically for the women, it's like all your effort that was going into your work now goes into your relationship. And, for the, man, and for the man, all the work that was going into trying to date goes into your work. Um, yeah. And it mm -hmm. was interesting when she told me this, because my reaction right away was like, I feel like I'm the opposite. Like, I feel like when I'm during times when I'm single, I feel like I'm so much more productive and get a lot more done. So maybe I fall more onto the yeah. woman side of that. And I think, you know, sure, people could be either way. But I think what you bring up is really interesting, that idea of just whether we're in a relationship or not, still prioritizing the other things that we do mm -hmm. like our work or our creative endeavors or you know whatever else it is that matters to us and not just saying well now I'm in a relationship and society's told me that that should be more important to me than anything else and so I'm going to give up on mm -hmm. all these things or or start sacrificing the energy and time I spent on other things that fulfill me because yeah. I should be able to get it all from this one thing mm. yeah I think yeah. that was a big one for me when I um, I realized how laced with like romanticism, the concept of, I don't know who I am without you. Mm. Yeah. And, like, I'm sitting there now, like on this side of my life going, I don't ever want to say those words again. I want to know exactly who I am with or without you. I know who I am. I need to yeah. like maintain who fee is. And then mm. Other people can add to that. There, I had a therapist a long time ago who tried to explain this to me. 
uh, before I really understood what codependency was. Um, it was the pizza analogy. And she said, you need to like ha be a basic pizza. Like you need to be <laughs> the, a crust and the cheese and the sauce, like the basic pizza like exists. <laughs> People that come into your life are the toppings, but you take the toppings away, you're still a pizza. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, it just makes me kind of hungry. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I, I'm going to ask a question that I, I feel like I get from clients frequently and, and I, I've thought I've kind of puzzled over this myself. So I feel like people who are in non-traditional relationships often butt up against this perception that surely like one partner is taking advantage of the other, especially mm -hmm. women, especially women who are mm -hmm. dating men that it's always that perception of like, Oh, there's no way that you could be okay with this. He's a horn dog. Who's just trying to screw you over. Um, yeah. And of course, like in my life, it's really easy to just lie, you know, to rely on like, no, you know, I'm doing this too. Like I'm dating all these people. Like in most of my relationships, I'm the one who's kind of pushing this thing in the past. I'm the one who's pushed for an open relationship. But if you're proactively choosing to remain monogamous while your partner is not, that seems like it makes it a lot harder to talk to people about it or to deal with people's perceptions of that. And like, I have a partner right now where he doesn't identify as monogamous, but he tends to like maybe date casually. But since we started dating, he hasn't mm. really hardcore pursued any serious emotionally mm -hmm. intense relationships. And he's kind of happy with it being that way. And I've seen in his life, him really struggling with people really pulling the like, oh, this your partner's taking advantage of you, you're getting screwed over, stuff like that. And so have you found mm -hmm. any good ways to talk about this for others who are questioning it and particularly using that angle? Yeah, uh, there's a couple things. One is that I, um, I'm fairly unapologetic about my relationship and the way that it is and who I am about it. And if, and, and I think that if you put out that feeling of I'm not asking for your validation when I tell you about the thing that I'm doing, I'm just letting you know about the thing that I'm doing. They're less likely to try to hmm. pass the judgment. Like their questions are actually questions and they're not leading questions. We're like, well, don't you feel this way? No, I don't feel that way. And that's it. You know, mm. um, there, the, the thing that I used to love to people would say, um, you know, I'm just worried that you're going to get hurt. And I'd sit there and be like, uh, so are you saying that no monogamous man has ever hurt me? Because I'd like to run you through a list of my experience. <laughs> yeah. Like anybody can hurt me. Uh, you know, dating is the most risk aware thing that we can possibly do. You're <laughs> wow. putting yourself out there. You're probably going to get hurt at some point. Uh, being in any type of relationship doesn't entitle you to never having a bad day again. Right. You're going to yeah. have them. Um, if you know that you're not being taken advantage of, then it really doesn't matter what other people think. Mm -hmm. And you have to just know it in yourself and not need to prove anything to them. Eventually they're either going to believe you or they're going to get out of your life. Cause that's, mm -hmm. that's just how I roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's fantastic. No, that's, I mean, that yeah. is really so powerful, I think. And it, but yeah. also so difficult at the same time to yeah, no, come to someone <laughs> not wanting, not seeking validation. Like even if in the front of your mind, you don't think that yeah. you are, there can still be these deeper emotional yeah. things. I used, that, yeah. um, I used to have a, the, the lady that I used to go to for waxing and I, you know, I talk about this all the time and she always would say things like, well, but um, you know, don't you feel like a side chick? And like, mm. no, mm. and I'm sitting there going like, no, I'm not a side of fries. Like that's not how this works. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, and she asked something like, well, let's say, let's say he ever like, you know, broke up with them and he was just with you. Would you still let him have? And I'm sitting there going, no, 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 no. Go back away. Mm. Would have let him have. He does mm. what he does. It's like saying, would you let him have blue eyes? Mm. His eyes are blue. He is polyamorous. Like understand this. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just a matter of reinforcing what you know. And not letting people get those little digs in, um, and, you know, they happen on the other side too. I hear digs about monogamy all the time. And it's just like, I don't want to like hashtag not all monogamy here, but like, <laughs> gosh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not all, you know, yeah. just, it's not, yeah. though it's not just, it's very simple. Uh, just say, that's not the way I see it. That's not the way I do it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so I guess building building upon what Dedeker was talking about of, um, you know, kind of people saying, oh, you must be 
being taken advantage of or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah. So in, uh, you know, in running the groups and writing the blogs and stuff that you've done, have you found any other sort of common myths or misconceptions that people have about specifically about monopoly relationships? And these could either be yeah. from the like, I'm from the monogamous world. And like, I have these conceptions like the one Dedeker brought up, or even yeah. I come from the polyamorous world. These are the misconceptions I have about monopoly relationships. Yeah. Uh, well, so one one misconception that happens um, rather frequently, like specifically in the mono plus, it's the poly plus mono group on Facebook, is that people think that it's like a conversion group. Like we're going to mm. teach po- mono people how to be poly. So uh, really, yeah. yeah. So people come in like it's, it's weird. Um, <laughs> I love the at the other mods on that in that group. Like it's a really great team. So um, one thing is that, and this is going to be the same misconceptions they have about polyamory in general. In general, my parents had a lot of questions about my relationship with my metamors, um, which I'm happy to say is a wonderful relationship. They're my best friends. Like they're all in my will. Like it's like right. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> um, they had a lot of questions about like you know like without wanting, like, my parents didn't really want to talk about sex, but, like, what do you all do together? You know, like, (laughs) is this happening all in the same room? Like, how does this work? So uh, there's just a lot of questions people tend to have about how how the romantic parts of the relationships work. Like, where's the line between friendship and romance and all of that stuff? Um, There's – there is the – that – there are a lot of people who have, you know, like the, the one penis policy types of things, like where you have people who are in mono poly relationships, but like the mono person isn't mono by choice. Hmm. Um, oh, I see. They they're get, they're yeah, kind of yeah. being forced to be monogamous, you mean? Yeah, like it's like you can be you can be polyamorous with other women, uh, women but not men, you know, it's like. And you're not so, actually interested in women. Yeah. So then. Yeah. Well, so then ta-da. It's like, yeah. Me. yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, said, I think most of the rest of the things, it just has a lot to do with people assume that I'm jealous. They, they want to know how I handle jealousy. Hmm. Um, you know, don't you get jealous? Doesn't it bother you? No, it doesn't bother me. I do. I get envious sometimes. And there's for me a big difference. You know, envy being I want that thing too, and jealousy being I want that and I don't want them to have it. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So you know, my if if my boyfriend goes out with his partner to a really really nice restaurant, and I'm like, like you know, I feel like food compersion for them. Like I get really <laughs> excited for them that they're having this amazing meal, but at the same time, like I wish I were at that restaurant with him. Right. You know, but that doesn't mean that I can't go to that restaurant with him next week. Like right. it's not. There's sure. nothing that I can't have in my relationship that I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even want to wake up to him every day. Like sometimes I like want to wear ugly pajamas and fart, you know, like I just, you know, <laughs> like <it> just <laughs> sometimes I want to binge watch Star Trek and like eat on the sofa. Like I don't do that stuff with him. But those are my things that I do on my own. So People just yeah. assume that, like, oh my gosh, if your boyfriend's not there to entertain you, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Whatever <laughs> right. I want is the answer. That's so. a, yeah, I, I love that too. For when people <laughs> post about, oh, you know, we're newly polyamorous and my partner's going on a date for the first time, I'm what like, I know this do. is scary right now, but trust me, like, you're going to love, gonna love this. It so much. Like, I look so <laughs> forward to just, ah, oh, finally, I can, exactly, you can I can watch it. Do whatever I want. I want to eat, like, gross food and scratch myself and do whatever I want. Like, I just want to be human for a minute. Exactly. Which, I mean, I can yeah. do that with him, but, like, why? I have all this free time to do it without him, so it's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, so you wrote a blog post called The Honesty Exchange. Um, And I'm going to be honest, uh, I sent this blog post to like a kajillion of my clients. (laughs) And I only realized last week that you were the one who wrote it. Um, like so you know, talked it was, about it on a podcast. I ta- exactly. No, like oh, it, did we? Oh, wow. I'm, and I feel so bad that we didn't give you credit earlier because it blew my mind. I was like, how did I miss? Like, I've looked at the site. I've looked where your name is there on the site, and I just didn't even like just just block that out. Didn't even realize. So I guess first of all, thank you for Jeez. writing such an amazing, fantastic, useful piece. 
uh, that's you. out there that, that I found so useful to forward to people. Um, so I guess for all of our listeners out there who don't want to read a blog piece, um, yeah. <laughs> can you briefly sum up the concept of the honesty exchange? Yeah. So uh, this came up with a lot of people say, you know, I just want, you know, you should have just been honest. I just want honesty. But there's there's things about honesty that um, if you want honesty from your partners, you have to be willing to accept it graciously when you hear something you don't want to hear. Hmm. Um, so it's like if, hmm. you know, if I ask my partner, I'm trying to think of something like silly, like, did you like that meal I made for you last night? Hmm. Do I want him to lie to me? Because I've asked him to be honest. Like I've said, you know, did you, did you like that steak or whatever it was that I made? You know, do you like, I didn't make steak, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) did you like that meal I made last night? You know, be honest. And if he tells me I hated it, like that's really going to hurt my feelings, but I asked him to be honest. Right. So this is kind of a two part thing where part of it is be diplomatic when you're being honest Instead of, I hated it, you can say, well, it wasn't really the way I would have prepared it. Or, you know, maybe next time you could try something different. The other thing is Mm -hmm. when someone then gives you feedback that's not exactly what you wanted to hear, uh, thank them for being honest. Like, that's the only answer you have to give. Thank you for being honest. Um, Like, in that that blog post, I said, there's like that, I think it was either Twix. I think it was a Twix commercial. Wait, which Twix commercial? Okay. So, okay, so there, I think it was a Twix commercial where like s- someone is asked a question and they're, they're like oh. stuck for the answer. And so they shove a Twix in their mouth right. and like gives them a minute. To oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me saying thank you for being honest or thank you for your honesty is that Twix I just shoved in my mouth to like <laughs> give me a minute to think about how I want to respond to this. Mm. I say like need yeah. a minute. Yeah, I think I've seen that. <laughs> so Snickers. But so, yeah. so that's like if you don't know what to say and you just feel like all these emotions burbling up, just say thank you for your honesty. And that's like one part of it. And the other part of it is, of course, being honest. Um, the, the thing is that the more you show people that they can be honest with you and you're not going to fly off the handle – the more likely they are mm. to trust you with continued honesty hmm. as things progress. Yeah. That they're not going to be afraid to say something to you because, oh, you're having a bad day or this or that. And the next thing you know, it's been three weeks and they haven't had this difficult conversation with you and now it's a lie. Mm. Yeah. 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 I've definitely, definitely been on both sides of that for sure. That That's yeah. the receiving honesty graciously part is so interesting to me because I find when I talk to people about it, there's definitely kind of this, I think there's this assumption that we get from culture that, you know, if my partner tells me something that I don't want to hear, like, it's my right to be able to unload my emotions in that moment onto them. Like, they Mm. need, like, it's my right for them to hear exactly how it made me feel. And it's, it's kind of a fine line, because it's kind of like, well, it's not that I'm want to that you want to tell people like, no, you need to bottle up all your emotion and your reaction and your partner and never tell your partner about it. But it's kind of it's the difference between like, hearing something that you don't want to hear, and then unloading how upset you are about it versus hearing something you don't want to hear saying, thank you for your honesty. I'm going to take a 20 minute walk, <laughs> um, you yeah. know, and then yeah. coming back and then maybe you can tell your partner like, wow, it was a little rough for me to hear that at first. And it brought up these feelings. But now that I've taken a 20 minute walk, I've had these thoughts about it, that it is kind of this fine thing of getting people to understand that it's not about you don't get to have any reaction to honesty. But it's again, I yeah. think it is. Yeah, just kind of adding that sense of diplomacy, I guess, on both sides. Yeah, At least that's it is. You, get, you totally to get to have so your deal. reaction, have yeah. your reaction. But be mindful that the way you react might inform how they approach you in the future. Mm. And do you mm. want to set a standard where they're afraid to be honest with you right. because they're yeah. going to upset you so much that it's going to cause a big fight. Like maybe the 20 minute walk is a better mm. way to go about it. Mm-hmm. You can still share your feelings. You can still have them right. like have all the feelings you want to have, but think about, Take a yeah, moment. think about how you want to be, seen i guess right yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely well this has been a, a ton of amazing stuff um so just just yeah. in closing here could you give us like what are some resources that you would recommend to people who are trying to make monopoly work okay the big the big one that i would say is if you're on facebook 
um, there is a poly plus mono relationships group. It's a supportive group. Um, it's a really great group. That's that was kind of like my entry into like finding my people. Um, there, I, well, my blog, you should <laughs> read that. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know that there's a whole lot else out there right now. There are, there are other people starting to get into the space and it's really exciting to see more people talking about Monopoly. Uh, but those are the two big ones with the Facebook group. Know that that particular group is, um, is private, not secret, which means if you're using your, your real Facebook account, like other people can see that you're in it. Hmm. Um, we do not have any problem with people creating alternate accounts to join the group. So you can always have that as an option if you're worried about your privacy or being outed or anything like that. Great. Great. And then um, what was, uh, I guess just where can people find more of your stuff, right? Like where, where can they find your yeah. blog and, and links to all of your many communities and things that you're involved with? Uh, so you can follow my blog at polyamoring.blog. Um, I just created a Facebook page for polyamoring so I can be followed now because I try to keep my Phoebe Phillips page is kind of more personal and I don't want to be so public on that. Right. Um, Twitter, oh, that fee or polyamoring, just, just follow polyamoring and you can reach all the other ones. It's a lot easier than writing down all these other things. Perfect. And, and we'll have some <laughs> links to that in our show notes as well. Yeah, excellent. All right. Thank for you sure. so much for joining us, Phoebe. This has been just fantastic. Like so much, so much yeah, good information. So, like, We're so glad that we finally got to have you on the show and, and your dream of having the podcast <laughs> Yay! came true. I did it. <laughs> Everything is You believe it. You well receive done. it. You oh, can achieve you. it. Thank you so much. And enjoy the rest of your travels and... And, you know, then when you get back, you're around the corner so we can go yes. get coffee or something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All Thank right. you. If you want to get in touch with us, send an email to info at multiamory.com or send us a message on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can also leave us a voicemail at 678-M-U-L-T-I-0-5. Or you can leave us a voice message on Facebook. To support our show and to join our private Facebook community or discourse community, go to patreon.com slash multiamory. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Emily Matlack, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.